And welcome to Super Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, entertainment, and sometimes science. You name it, if it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is Black Widow Nerd Out! I am your host, Austin, and with me, as always, is the amazing Amanda! Hey! The wild, yet elusive Jekka! I'm back! The rambunctious Bob! Hey! And burn, Brady Burn! Hey, hey, hey! Hey, folks, thanks so much for joining us. Obviously, we're talking Black Widow a little later, but we're also going to be talking a whole bunch of more to include Kevin Feige saying Marvel is done with signing actors for multiple movie deals. Netflix has released the first trailer for season two of The Witcher. Star Wars, the book of Boba Fett star says they've come up with some magical formulas and more. So make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button. We would love to nerd out with you each and every week. And if you've already hit that podcast subscribe button, you know what I'm going to say to you. Plus 10 Nerd XP. Nerd XP. We love you guys. And for everyone else, as soon as you hit that podcast subscribe button, you too can start earning Nerd XP. Nerd XP. But in the meantime, it's so nice to hear Jekka and not Bob (laughs) or or Brady Brady or you trying to (laughs) emulate Jekka saying... (laughs) Saying nerd XP. Jack, welcome back. What's nerdy with you? What have you been up to? Thanks. Um, so yeah, I've been gone the past two weeks. The first one was a, a family get together that I just could not get away from. But then last week I was in Guatemala with some friends. Whoa. And it was really fun and it was very really like wonderful to like get out of the country. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that was nice. And especially go to a cool place like Guatemala. But Fun fact about Guatemala is there are 37 volcanoes there, ranging from active to dormant, and I saw six of those. So that is awesome. And That's one, cool. Yeah, and one of them was an active, like was active, so it was spouting lava, and that was really cool. Because so we went and did this overnight backpacking trip up a dormant volcano called Acantenango, which is near Antigua. And our campsite was, like, within view of the active volcano that shares the ridgeline with Acatenango. And pretty much every 45 minutes to an hour, it would just erupt and just start exploding and spout. Like, during the day, you know, it was spouting, you know, the ash plume and all that. But at night, oh, my gosh, it was so cool at night because you would just see the lava come spewing out. And it would just kick the mountaintop with like lava and, and we were like we're a safe distance away so we're not getting any of the lava or any of the ash and smoke or from it but it was like front row seats to this active volcano wow and it was so cool like it was so cool so sounds amazing yeah so i got to summit a dormant volcano and watch an active volcano erupt so it was so cool so fun that's one heck of a hiking trip right there yeah. <laughs> yeah it killed me like i got altitude sickness really bad but only i'm like only because i that was my i have not i did not prepare for it at all so like if anyone's like i'm gonna go to guatemala and summit a continango yeah you want to start hiking mountains beforehand because i took my time and made it to the top but man it was rough 
It was that is very the cool. Spike of the season, but yeah. Well, we're glad you're back. We missed you. And next time, send us pictures of the volcano. Yeah. Oh yeah, we'll send it to you guys. I okay. Do, I've been like, I'll send you guys the video that I took. Okay, that'd be cool. Today. That'd so be yeah, super I'll cool. That, that was... we, maybe we put in the show notes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd give you full permission to do that. Okay, got to find it. All right, Bob. What's nerdy with you? Um. Well, given that uh, Cheka couldn't just go last with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't follow up a volcano. Yeah, yeah, you really can't. Um, I've actually been reading a new book by the same guy who did Aragon, uh, Christopher Bologna. Um, called the uh, To Sleep in a Sea of Stars. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a sci-fi book. It has to do with um, xenobiology and uh, aliens that are absolutely nothing like what we're uh, what we have, and it deals with the very uh, how humanity is handling colonizing various areas and the actual process of exploration like what happens if you find a an alien site what how are you going to deal with higher gravity how are you going to deal with space life so on and so forth um so far it is a fantastic book i believe on amazon it's sitting at 4.5 out of 5 i got it and i swear if you do pick it up if anybody picks up get the hardcover it's worth it the um the dust jacket is absolutely gorgeous, and even with the dust jacket off, the cover is uh, is a night matte, nice matte black with a um, a metallic blue uh, emboss on it, and the lettering along the spine is metallic blue emboss. So it's absolutely gorgeous, great for your bookshelf, and it's a great story as well. Very cool. Very cool. Now, Bob, do you know? what the book is for your Bob's book club, your next one coming up sometime in uh, November. I want to <laughs> say it's not ready player one. Correct. <laughs> oh, it is. So for, for, for all of you listening that want to follow our Bob's book club, the next book that we're reading is foundation by Isaac oh, yeah. Asimov who's been uh, described as like the J.R.R. Tolkien of sci-fi. Uh, the quick little thing about the book is, uh, for 12,000 years, the Galactic Empire has ruled supreme. Now it is dying, but only uh, Hari Seldon, creator of the revolutionary science of uh, psychohistory, can see into the future to a dark age of ignorance, barbarism, and warfare that will last 30,000 years to preserve knowledge and save hum humankind. Selvin gathers the best minds in the empire, both scientists and scholars, and brings them to a bleak planet on the edge of the galaxy to serve as a beacon of hope for future generations. He calls his sanctuary the foundation. Apparently this book is like un unbelievably, you know, great. So we'll guess we'll see. We'll find out. All right. Well, Hold on, wait, once again, Bob, what was the book you're reading? What's it called? To Sleep in a Sea of Stars. Okay, To Sleep in a Sea of Stars. Mm -hmm. All right, Brady, what's nerdy with you? 
Oh, not much. Just a few little things. I picked up a book. I'm actually almost done with it. It's a short book, uh, Michael Crichton, Eaters of the Dead. Mm. So I'm just about done with that. And then it's uh, they made a movie out of it called The 13th Warrior, but it's always been on my list, just kind of sitting there. And I thought, hey, I'll check it out. And I needed to give my Kindle a, Kindle a run. So I'm using that. I did – I have a little um, – I also bought and have like a little hydroponic garden that I'm growing nice. like some like basil and stuff in. So I got that all set up and uh, what else is nerdy? Oh, finished stranger things with the kids. They enjoyed nice. it. We finished season three, but I have a question. Spoiler alert. If you haven't watched stranger things I love that. at the end of stranger things in the post credit scene, what did they ever show hopper in a cell? Yes. Ah. No. They just say leave the American. Okay. Okay. That we had a long debate about that here because I, that's the way I recall it and that's what I see. But my wife was like, "I know they showed him in the cell." I'm like, "I don't think they did. I just think they said not the American." There's a teaser trailer that showed him. Right. But yeah, right. yeah. Know, there's Okay. Just, Which looks just, Sorry, go eerily on. similar to a place that the actor's in in Black Widow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of funny. Which we got to talk. We'll talk about that. Yeah. We'll talk no, about that later. It, it's like they're in the, at the end of Stranger Things, like they're going to a cell, but then the guy says, no, no, leave the American, get this other yeah. guy. But right. you never see Hopper there. Okay. Then that's what we saw. But my wife was like, they changed that. They cut out where they showed Hopper. I'm like, I don't think they ever showed him in a cell. Yeah. So if anyone never- knows differently, please, please uh, email the uh, podcast or post it on Facebook or something. All right. So I got something to share. Um, so my uh, my army unit decided that we were all going to go up something called the Manitou Incline, which is like one of the highest um, uh, set of stairs in the world. Uh, and this thing's got so many steps. Uh, it's got more steps than the Empire State's building. And I did it in a Star Wars shirt. And I'm pretty sure I was the only person on the uh, mountain that day wearing a Star Wars shirt. And I wore it proudly. Was everybody nice. else wearing their uniform? No, no. We got to wear <laughs> We got to wear our civilian. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, First Sergeant. I showed up in a Star Wars uniform. <laughs> Star Wars shirt, not uniform. <laughs> anyway, I think that is your regular uniform. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed now that you didn't show up in like your Boba Fett or like Darth Vader. Yeah. Stormtrooper. <laughs> Stormtrooper armor would Alpha be killer. Like, oh, man. That yeah, would be killer. Oh, you would die. You'd be you would like die battle doing that. armor. Battle armor isn't the uniform of the day. What the heck for for shirt? Sure? So, so here, here's a picture of me. Getting all like uh, hot and sweaty on that, and he'll post it yeah, on the... right there. <laughs> nice. On the Trying to nice. go up this thing. Nice. Yeah, it was crazy. Anyways, we got so much to talk about. Let's hit up that nerd news. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. Ooh. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, DC's Black Adam will introduce the supervillain group Intergang. So we've been learning little tidbits about Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam movie over the past few years, but we still don't exactly know what the story will entail. We've learned another new detail about the movie, though. Uh, Black Adam co-star Sarah uh, Shahi Shahi revealed 
the character she's playing and the villainous group she's associated with. While talking with the Hollywood reporter about the movie, Shahi revealed, I play a character named Adriana, and she's a freedom fighter that's leading this big resistance against an evil, malicious group called Intergang. End quote. In the comics, Intergang is a worldwide crime syndicate connected to Apocalypse. Their leader is a brutal madman named Bruno Ugly uh, Manaheim, although he takes orders from Darkseid, from Zack Snyder's Justice League. Darkseid. Anyways, this otherworldly connection supplies them with alien technology and weaponry to fight their enemies on Earth. They are heavily connected to the religion of crime, and their laws are dictated by the Crime Bible. Uh, end quote. So there's no information on how Intergang will be incorporated in the story for the film or how they will connect with Black Adam, but Adriana's 52-story arc sees her become Black Adam's wife and the superpowered character Isis. Uh, we've just, we'll just have to wait and see how things end up playing out for the movie, which will be released on July 29th, 2022. What do you make of this, Bob? All right. Warner Brothers and DC need to get the crap straight. And I say it like that. They need to get their poop in a group. Um, what? Yep. The, this is seriously starting to grate at me. Um, and I'll tell you what it is. Right after I continue ranting nonsensically like every other YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, the fact of the matter is that um, they said they don't want to have a shared universe. They said they didn't want to have um, everything connected, yet they're including stuff that has to do with dark side. Yet they're including uh, build up for more teens and whatnot. Yet they're uh, and they're including suicide, more Suicide Squad stuff. Everything that's all connected. Yet they don't want to continue Zack Snyder's Justice League. So yeah, I'm making this about Justice League. Um, <laughs> the the fact is that. This can fall flat, or this could be amazing. I mean, The Rock is being in it's already a plus, but if they don't treat Shazam's uh, nemesis the same way they treated Shazam, this thing is going to fall flat, and it's going to be nobody's fault but Warner Brothers. That's sure. my take on this. Yeah. Otherwise, I am really excited because it's a superhero movie, and it's The Rock, and uh, yeah. Can you smell what Black Adam's got cooking? I just want to say crime Bible is the most DC phrase for anything. (laughs) Religion of crime in the crime Bible. I was like, oh, I, okay. (laughs) That's That's like a third grader on the playground. Oh yeah. Well, I'm a member of the religion of crime and I read from the crime Bible. (laughs) 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 Well, as long as it was good. Hey, it fits Shazam. It fits the world of Shazam. You're not wrong. (laughs) Well, yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. (laughs) Moving on. Ant-Man and the Wasp's Quantumania may see the return of villain Yellow Jacket. According to a new report, Marvel may end up bringing back Corey Stoll as Yellow Jacket in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Stoll made his debut as Yellow Jacket in the first Ant-Man film. And while he was defeated at the end of the film, there's no confirmation that the character died. The third Ant-Man film was recently 
being discussed in Vanity Fair's Still Watching podcast. And entertainment reporter Joanna Robinson said, quote, I do know that Corey Stoll in some shape will be back for Ant-Man 3, end quote. Seeing Stoll return as Yellow Jacket has never really been out of the question. Director Peyton Reed has teased that we could see Yellow Jacket again at some point. Also, in the most recent episode of Loki, Yellow Jacket's helmet made an appearance. And during a previous interview, Reed hinted that Yellow Jacket may return. When people were telling him that the villain was easily disposable, he responded with this, quote, Well, I mean, you guys are making a massive assumption. There's an assumption here that I'm not quite comfortable with. If you watch his death in the first Ant-Man, the suit is compromised. He shrinks and goes into a thing. I mean, he could be somewhere down there in that quantum realm, end quote. Yeah, so I think it'll be exciting to see what they do with quantum mania, especially after watching Loki. I'm excited to talk about Loki next week um, and see kind of where we go from there and see how they'll kind of turn Ant-Man and Wasp from that and the multiverse of madness. I don't know. Yeah. Um, th- there's also a lot of stuff in the quantum realm that we could deal with. So there's just so much that focusing on just yellow jacket. I'm, I'm... He's going to show up as another villain. It, he'll team up with whoever the main villain is. Yeah. And, and we'll, or maybe he'll, they'll convince him to help them and he'll backstab them or something. Ooh, well, like and that. if there's one thing I've learned is no body, no crime. Like you gotta see a body yes. gonna be dead, dead. Like just because he shrank yep. into nothing, you need a body to prove that. That was well, even, that we, was even we, mentioned we, in Black we, Widow. We have learned from Tiger King: no body, no crime. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that just made me think. Of... See, I was quoting Psych here. Like that's where I get it from. But yeah, uh, I no. love Psych. <laughs> um, but maybe he'll like be helping them and they'll so, so that way he can get out of the quantum realm and then screw them over. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Well, that'd be interesting. All right, moving on. Check it out. This is crazy. Kevin Feige says Marvel is done hiring actors for multi-movie deals. Marvel studio president Kevin Feige has outlined a new strategy for hiring and maintaining actors in the MCU. During a recent interview with the Hollywood reporter, Feige explained that Marvel is moving away from the massive multi-movie deals it once offered to its stars. Instead, he hinted that the talent will simply stay on board and return for additional projects if they're enthusiastic about the universe they've become a part of without needing an expansive contract. Quote, it varies project to project, cast to cast. Uh, Feige explained, reflecting on the sweeping talent deals previously inked by the likes of Chris Evans and Samuel Jackson. Uh, Quote, we really what we want are people that come in, are excited to be in the universe, are excited at the opportunity to do more things as opposed to being locked into contractual obligations, end quote. Uh, Samuel Jackson, as an example, was originally signed on for nine movies. That's what his deal was. But Newcomer Florence Poog. Did I say the name right? I don't know. Anyways, she is Natasha's sister uh, in the new Black Widow movie. Anyway, she says uh, if you get if you get asked to be in a Marvel film, 
And it was so thrilling and fun and excited to be in. Then, of course, your head goes, oh, my word, if this is what it's like, then what else is next? If that happens and I am lucky enough that people will appreciate my character, that's an exciting road to go on. I would be silly to not be excited by it, end quote. So I don't know. Where, where do you think this is going, Bob? I think this is awesome. And um, here's why. Right now, you had, or for the entire Infinity Saga, we had uh, the main three characters. You had your Thor, you had your Captain America, and you had your Iron Man. And they permeated the entirety of the Gal- or of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If they, if they weren't in a movie, they were at least mentioned in a movie mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Which is great. It shows that the universe is connected, but we've established that now. We know that now. Now it's a t- now it's time for them to move away from announcing all of the movies that they're going to be doing um, for each phase up front, and to start using uh, using that timing instead of uh, giving all of the fans a little bit of a hint by saying, "Oh well, um, this new character has or this new actor has a five picture deal." If the movie doesn't do well, maybe they don't make another one. So no big deal. Here's the thing that I think you're missing: all of the jokes and the <laughs> the making fun of Gwyneth Paltrow that's been going on over the years. Oh God, yes. <laughs> okay, so Gwyneth Paltrow about? can't remember a uh, lot of her work in the Marvel films. It's clear she didn't want to be there. She was not excited about the films. And I think the studio got the message. Yeah. And I think there may have been some other actors that we just don't hear about that they're not excited to keep going. I know... Well, do you think they're doing this because they... Marvel thinks they might be able to get more films out of people this way. Like they might get like, you know, the equivalent of like five Iron Man movies out of an actor as opposed to just three and some cameos. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to, uh, they're trying to reduce the amount that they have to pay the actor. (laughs) That's for one. That's number one. And number two, they don't want to be on the hook for, uh, for these contracts. I mean, they don't want to make more movies with actors that don't really want to be there. It's yeah, but, like but, but how are you going to set up a big sweeping story arc over multiple films without really any guarantee that X, Y, and Z characters that are required for this arc to work might not be coming back? I mean, that puts the actors in a big position to say, no, 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 add some zeros to my paycheck, Marvel. I think that that you're right on that. This is a double-edged sword. Um, I mean, you know, if you don't lock the, co- you can't, you can't project the story if you don't know you're going to have that actor, right? I mean, yeah. so you know, they would not have been able to make the Avengers and all of the films leading up to it and tie all those storylines together if they didn't have those actors locked into contract. By contrast, by not locking them into a uh, a contract, what you're really doing is you're wanting to incentivize them to come back. So you're really wanting to make sure that the films are good quality films and that mm-hmm. the stories are interesting. So they're going to have to take special care. I think this is a, this is a tipping point for Marvel tossing their weight 
um, with the actors because now they can say, look at what we've built, look at what we've become. You should want to come to us. But at the same time, they're going to have to maintain that level yeah. of, of quality going forward to draw those actors back. I, I, I hope it doesn't backfire because I'd hate to see yeah. these long story arcs get tossed on one shot. It feels, it feels a tad dangerous. Man, well, it's I, like, I, my, it is my dangerous. initial thought is like, it gives the actors more flexibility, but like you said, Brady, I think you summarized it perfectly. It's a double-edged sword. Cause yeah, it gives the actors flexibility to be like, yes or no. But at the same time, that's the dangerous ground, you know, it's like. Well, yeah. we're also moving into a larger quantity of characters coming out. And so we'll kind of see maybe some of them peter out and that kids don't want to buy that action figure. And then they can focus on a different character because they now have so many of them. Well, and another thing to consider is not only are there characters that are there actors and actresses that are that get burnt out or just don't care in the first place, but also we've had we've had actors die. Yeah. And, and we're talking like really, really blockbuster. I just look at Chad, Chadwick. Mm-hmm. The man had was set up for setting up an incredible franchise. Yeah. And he and he died. And yeah, that, but, but but think of this too, like uh Rhodey, the actor that played Rhodey in Iron Man One changed in Iron Man Two. And then think about Hulk. Uh, Edward Norton started out as the MCU's Hulk and then it switched. Do you think Marvel is more willing to do that if they're, if they're, they're uh, uh, I, and you know, I hear you and I, I have thought of that myself, but here's my rebuttal to that. That was early on in the Marvel yes. Cinematic Universe. We didn't know that this was going to get this big. We didn't even know if Avengers was going to succeed. I mean, Disney was really going out on a limb there. Nobody has ever done anything quite like this before. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, they had, you know, the monster movie crossovers, but they've never had, you know, five movies culminate in one big crossover and then stay interconnected. They never really had that before and have it so successful. Well, I think what Disney learned from the death of Chadwick Boseman is that they don't know whether the actors will be around for all nine films. That's true. And from what they're learning and doing with Black Panther 2, they're like, well, I guess we don't need these long contracts because we don't know where they, like, Mm, even with those contracts, there's a lot of risks. So let's do the, the shorter contracts or movie by movie, and they can work and change stories based on what happens. Yeah. All right, we need to move on. The first trailer for The Witcher Season 2 and The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf have been released. The first long-awaited trailer for The Witcher Season 2 has been released by Netflix. Season 2 will follow... (laughs) Amanda. Season 2 will follow Geralt Rivera, who's convinced Yennefer's life was lost at the Battle of Soden who seeks to bring Princess Cerulea to the safe Cirilla. Cirilla, to the safest place he knows, his childhood home of... Kara Morhen. Kara Morhen. 
while the continent's kings, elves, humans, and demons strive for supremacy outside its walls, he must protect the girl from something far more dangerous, the mysterious power she possesses inside. The Witcher Season 2 will premiere on Netflix December 17th, 2021. Let's take a listen to that first trailer. Here we go. So, I'm your destiny. You're much more than that, Cirilla. I need to understand some things. The world is changing. Sentra isn't safe for you anymore. What exactly is Kermorin? You're home. Finally. <laughs> Who the hell are you? Sometimes I feel so afraid. I feel like I could burn the whole world. Facing your fear is not easy, but I am here for you. When I say run, you run. When I say hide, you have to stay. You hide. Run! Bessemir said that the world outside these walls is a dangerous place. But you can find power and purpose. Where is she? What if your princess is more than you barking for? Are you sure you're ready for this? Welcome back. In addition to this, during Netflix's WitcherCon, a teaser trailer was also dropped for the upcoming animated film, The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf. This series tells a prequel story that is set long before the events of the first season of the live-action series, and the show will focus on the adventures of Geralt's mentor and friend, uh, Vesemir. The synopsis reads, quote, Long before mentoring Geralt, Vesemir begins his own journey as a witcher after the mysterious Deglon claims him through the law of surprise, end quote. So we won't be listening to that trailer because it's all music. We don't really hear anything. But a link to that trailer will be in the podcast show notes, so check it out if you're interested. Anyways, The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf actually premieres this August, August 23rd, 2021, and season two premieres December 17th, 2021. I don't know. What did you guys make of this? You know, um, you mentioned that the trailer for The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf will be in the show notes. I highly recommend anyone listening to this go watch it because that looks great. Mm-hmm. I really love the animation style in that, and it looked amazing. Um, I made it through the Witcher Season 2 trailer, which is more than I can say about the Witcher Season 1. So I can't really <laughs> speak to that very much. But So I'm not, I'm not entirely pumped about the Witcher Season 2 because I don't have an investment, um, nor do I intend to create one. But the Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf looks amazing. <laughs> it looks really good. Well, I'm here to say the investment in season one is worth it. 
and season two looks like it's going to be great. Um, I'm just really disappointed with the trailer because there was no guest gear. And I'm I'm worried there will be no more annoying <laughs> guest gear following The Witcher around. Yeah, he's a he's a bard that likes to play songs for The Witcher. <laughs> Sir Robin the ran bard. away. Yes, it's pretty funny. <laughs> That's the power they're trying to protect Cirilla from. She's a bard. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on. The book of Boba Fett's. Star Tamara Morrison says they've come up with some magical formulas. That's right. The upcoming Mandalorian spinoff series, Star Wars, The Book of Boba Fett, is rumored to be making its big debut on Disney Plus near the end of 2021. The series has been in development with Tamara Morrison and Ming-Na Wen reprising their roles of Boba Fett and Fennec Shand. We know that Robert Rodriguez has a big role in the development of the show and that several directors from The Mandalorian would also be returning. Morrison recently talked about the series with Express and confirmed that Jon Favreau, Dave Filoni, and Bryce Dallas Howard have directed episodes. He says, quote, John Favreau has come up with some magical formulas. We've got some great directors on board. Robert Rodriguez, Favreau, Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, Dave Filoni. It's just a new world. It's a new world. They like to keep the Star Wars stuff under lock and key, end quote. While Morrison isn't revealing any major details, he certainly is excited, and he also teases the dynamic between his character and Ming-Na Wen's Fennec Shan. Quote, we've got to look at the timeline. We've got to look at where Boba has been. We gotta keep the fans happy. It's a duo thing. We've got Ming Na Wen in there. She's playing the master assassin Fennec Shand. End quote. During a separate interview with Digital Spy, Ming Na Wen talked about the secrecy of these Star Wars projects and revealed that she didn't realize she was filming the spinoff initially. Quote: "We're so secretive about everything, right? We don't call the shows the shows. The contracts are always under different names. The show is under different names." When I was told I was going to become a series regular, I just automatically assumed it was for The Mandalorian Season 3. And then when the scripts came out, it said 301, 302, 303, 304. So I just assumed I was signed. I was signing on because it doesn't say The Mandalorian on my contracts. So for two weeks, while I was working with Tamara Morrison and Robert Rodriguez, I had no idea that I was actually shooting the spinoff. When the crew and the cast found out, they were dying. It was so crazy. So yeah, it was a wonder. It was just wonderful to finally discover that I was shooting the book of Boba Fett. They call it Mandalorian 2.5 in a way. So I wasn't all wrong. End quote. <laughs> um, that kind of reminds me of the whole deal with the Spider-Man three, how they were like not telling Tom Holland anything. So you wouldn't spoil it. I'm like, who in the Star Wars cast is going to spoil it? Like. <laughs> If anything, I feel like it'd be a Juan McGregor, but he's already got his thing going yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm excited. Like I think I keep bringing this up, and I'll just keep bringing it again. Like thanks to watching Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, like I'm just like give me the Star Wars TV shows. And I mean, I'll admit, like I'm not a huge fan of Boba Fett. I honestly don't understand everyone's fast, like, <laughs> well, not everyone, but like the fascination with him. He's but, you know, I'm just like, hey, if this will get me on board, let's see if that will get me on board. But so, I'm excited for Big Non Win. I'm a huge fan of her work. And, yeah, 
I'm happy she's got another series going now that Shield is over. So, so Jekka, thank you for telling me you have never seen the um, Christmas special. <laughs> yes, I have not. I've and, only okay, so there what the Austin okay, sent me. Jekka, Je- there is a Sorry. there is a cartoon in the middle of the Christmas special about Boba Fett, <laughs> and that's where a large part of the obsession came from. So you can you can actually watch the just the cartoon from the Star Wars Holiday Special on Disney Plus. Uh, Disney Plus has not released the entire <laughs> Star Wars Holiday Special for obvious reasons, but it's on it's on YouTube in its entirety. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, just one of these days the we'll watch it, and that kind of helps you understand where people started getting obsessed. One of these days we will do a rewind on the Star Wars Holiday nope, Special. Never gonna yes, happen. We will. No, yes, no, we will. Yes, we will. No, we will. I remember that one clip you That's sent good. me of that watching whatever that was like. We're right, good. Bob, what? I think if he's going to do it, he's going to be doing Go it on, alone. Bob. It's a solo show. No, what well, we could do is maybe we could do a live reaction for all of us. Yeah, and we, we can we all make that. fun of it together. There you go. Do like a live Mr. reaction of watching Austin. It is brutal. It is I brutal. am interested to see how in the book of Boba Fett they address um, Boba Fett's ship because they're dropping the name of it. Disney's well. dropped dropping the name of it in all in all of their uh all of their cinematic world yeah. I don't want to call it slave one anymore well we'll we'll yeah. see i i i doubt yeah and i want to throw out there i want to find out how we escaped the sarlacc pit yeah we've got to learn that, that was something I my, my, my running theory is fennec shand helped in some way and that's why boba fett was there when she needed help it was kind of like a payback anyways moving on marvel's what if tv series that explores the multiverse has released a new trailer. Marvel has dropped a new trailer for its upcoming animated series, Marvel's What If. The trailer features a ton of exciting new footage from the series, giving us our best look yet at what we can expect from the alternate MCU stories that it's going to tell. Marvel's What If is an anthology series where The Watcher looks at instances of where the MCU could have gone in a completely different direction. The series will include most of the MCU cast reprising their roles in this series, which will examine the 23 past films in the MCU. But each of the stories will feature one key difference, showing how the story would have played out differently. The trailer also announced that Marvel's What If will make its debut on Disney Plus on August 11th. So right around the corner. So we don't have to wait much longer. So let's take a listen to that trailer and talk about it afterwards. Maybe I didn't click it. (laughs) Let's try that again. Yeah, peace. I love peace. I'd be out of a job with peace. Do we know each other? Time. Reality. Reality. It's changeable. Where you want to be? That's the question, isn't it? Every 
different. Each one unique. Slow down a little bit. There's a few people in the room that don't understand. Not me, I, I get it. I am the Watcher. I observe all that transpires here. But I do not, cannot, will not interfere. I guess I have to freestyle then. A ravager never flies solo. I said never flies solo. Uh, is that some kind of catchphrase? You had me worried for a second. Journey to face the unknown and ponder the question. I can't wait for August the 11th. That is going to be sweet. Will you got be. Agent well, Carter and peace. Howard I the Duck. Peace. I didn't need – I didn't – oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought it was over. But yeah, Howard the Duck and Agent Carter. You can't – I mean, that's all I needed to see in that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Captain Carter. That is going to be sweet. It looks great. I can't wait for it. Yeah, yeah it looks pretty cool. Go on. No, Kojaka. Um, after, like, when Marvel released, like, all their TV shows and stuff, like, so Loki was the one I was most interested in, followed by this one. I really like the whole concept of, like, alternate timelines kind of thing and, like, alternate scenarios. But, so the whole what-if thing, like, I really like that. Yeah, it's going to be cool. I like it. All right, moving on. Virgin Galactic has successfully launched their first space tourism flight with founder Richard Branson on board. That's right. Richard Branson became the first person to ride into space aboard a rocket he helped fund and build. The supersonic space plane developed by his company, Virgin Galactic, roared into the sky over New Mexico early Sunday, carrying Branson and three fellow crew members. Branson, along with Virgin Galactic employees Beth Moses, Colin Bennett, and uh, Sharisha Bandala, and pilots David uh, Mackey and Michael McKay and Malsucci. Yes. Anyways. (laughs) They boarded the spaceship two, a winged plane with a single rocket motor that the company has spent nearly two decades developing before the crack of dawn. Uh, Attached beneath its massive twin fuselage mothership, dubbed White Knight 2, the vehicle took to the skies at 8.30 a.m. Mountain Time and climbed to about 50,000 feet in the air. Uh, there was a clip on it from CNN that covered the event and a special message from Branson dedicated to the kids of Earth uh, was also shared to their Twitter page immediately afterwards. So let's listen to both of those uh, and we'll talk about it afterwards. Here we go. Virgin Galactic's supersonic space plane, the VSS Unity, taking off with Branson and five others, including women, on board this morning. 
uh, the flight taking them to the edge of space. Here's CNN's Rachel Crane reporting on the breathtaking moment when the supersonic space plane separated from the mothership Eve. You can hear the crowd, the crowd cheering behind me. This is that historic moment that Richard Branson and his team at Virgin Galactic have been waiting for for nearly two decades. And we have released, Brian, we have released. The rocket engine has ignited. This is the moment that Branson and his team have been waiting for. Oh. Brian, I got to pause. I got to take this in. Uh, this is really an incredible moment here. Yeah, we all took it in. Uh, in this hour-long journey and a few minutes of weightlessness, uh, the journey, the mission to get here was decades in the making. Not only did Branson make this happen, but he, in spectacular fashion, brought all of us along with him and making sure we could see and hear from him while it was happening. Extraordinary or what? I mean, Branson's flight making him the first billionaire to actually travel into suborbital space. Uh, Branson's goal to make commercial space flights like this one available to the public. And that could be coming very soon. To all you kids down there, I was once a child with a dream, looking up to the stars. Now I'm an adult in a spaceship with lots of other wonderful adults looking down to our beautiful, beautiful Earth. To the next generation of dreamers, if we can do this, just imagine what you can do. Hey! So what was fun is I got to watch those with my son who wants to be an astronaut. He was just captivated by watching um, the flight happen and looking at people being weightless. And so that was really fun. What I do like about how they're progressing with privatizing space flight is that as they get more and more of the technology down, it becomes more affordable. And my son watching that, I'm trying to explain to him how that could become as everyday as plane flights are. Well, that'd be sweet. <laughs> that would be cool. And, and I, then I was telling him that um, our local airport, the Denver International Airport, could eventually be the Denver International Spaceport. It looks kind of spacey when you look at it across that field anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> DIA, yeah. DIA is kind of weird looking. No, no. It's a clown tent. <laughs> I just think it's a boss move that he did it before Bezos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Elon Musk has already purchased a ticket, I heard, to go on this. So, and, and it kind of surprised me, honestly, that, that Richard Branson is the first of these folks to, to go up into space. I would have thought that Elon Musk would have ridden one of his own SpaceX things by now, but I guess he didn't. Maybe, maybe it's just not you know, for tourism purposes, more, more, you know, NASA actual missions. So 
Yeah, Branson's trying to do it with to keep costs down. Musk is trying to do it to get contracts with NASA. So there's yeah. the difference there. And Bezos is just doing it to return home to his people. <laughs> <laughs> that is out there. <laughs> well, uh, what Blue Blue Origin is that? What his his space thing is? I can't remember what it's called. I think it's Blue Origin. I don't know. Bezos is Lex Luthor. <laughs> well, you shaved his head now. Exactly. <laughs> Just saying. I that was always he Superman any day. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, it's about time to talk some Black Widow. But before we do, we're gonna we're gonna say bye to Bob. Bye, Bob. Bye, Bob. Bob's got it. Bob has to take off, unfortunately. Yep. Yeah, I have Bob. to watch. I, I gotta watch this with dad. my daughter. Uh, it's just the way it's the way of things. Yeah, well, you should watch it with your daughter and not Absolutely. not let us spoil it for you. So yeah, yeah. Uh, especially it's... that one part where they oh. hey, shush your butt. Ah. <laughs> oh, I know. And the, who would have thought that she would have died? You, you are going to I get. Can't hear you. <laughs> You're going to miss all of my harassing Austin. Oh, I think he's muting us and going oh, away. Oh, all right, bye, Bob. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park. And that bell means it is time for our main event! Black Widow! lived a lot of lives before I was an Avenger before I got this family I made mistakes choosing between what the world wants you to be and who you are Where did you think I was all this time? We have unfinished business. My girls are the toughest girls in the world. I'm sorry. We had our orders and we played our roles. It wasn't real. It was real to me. To me? Everything. Bring her home. Put your seatbelts on. She's such a room. One thing's for sure. I'm done running from my past. Hey, special.
special shout out to all you super nerds who have hit that podcast subscribe button. We really, really appreciate you guys. Please help us get the word out and tell a friend about the podcast. And I also want to invite you to hit that podcast subscribe button if you have not done so already. Come on, do it. You'll get plus 10 nerd XP. Anyways, what do you guys think of Black Widow? <laughs> I was waiting for that. What do you guys think of Black Widow? Finally, came out. It's here. So I was really excited. It's something that I've talked about with friends for many, many years about wanting a Black Widow movie. As much as Austin keeps telling me, okay, we uh, did don't start the fight already. Come oh, we'll on, get now. There. we'll get there. What do you guys think? So, go ahead, Jekka. Um, yeah, I was like, because it's funny, like when you first, because you first meet her in what Iron Man two. Iron Man 1? Yeah, no, Iron Man 2. Yes. Yeah, she first appeared as Iron Man 2. And then I remember her coming, like, and then the next time I remember seeing her was in Avengers. And I just remember being like, yeah, like, I like the idea of this superhero without powers who could still, like, an assassin that's joined the good guy's side and she can just kick butt, you know, and she, like, holds her own even against, like, all of these superheroes and superpowers and stuff, so... It, it was like, I didn't know what to expect from this movie. And I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. Cause I didn't really have, I didn't really want to have any expectations. I was just like, I want to go in and kind of learn more of her yeah. story, you know? And I, I felt like I got, I got what I wanted, you yeah. know? And, 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 it, um, and it's, it's crazy to go back to Iron Man two and watch black widow in this. Cause she is not like a main character in that movie. She is just very much a side character. Well, that's what like yeah. shocked me. Like when Avengers rolled around, cause I was like, Oh wait, like she was in Iron Man two and she was just this side character that happened to help him out at the end, like big time. And then she becomes this critical role with like the MCU, you know? So, uh-huh. yeah. I think that, uh, so I'm not going into spoiler territory yet, but I try. I I really considered going to the theater to see this. Um, I I wanted to, but I I just don't think I'm there yet with the numbers coming back up. So we made the decision to um, go ahead and uh, do the premiere access thing and, mm. and get it for the house. We turned out all the lights, yeah. made you know, really did the uh, did the whole thing and. Uh, I was very pleased with this movie. I think that um, she did a great job. I think that the actor that played Yelena did an yes. amazing job. Yeah, she was dang good. Hopper. Yes. I mean, uh, what's his name? The Crimson Dynamo. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, was, uh, well, he was great. He was. Yeah, a lot he, of fun. He, he did, I think they could have done a lot more with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, Red Guardian. Yeah. Uh, yeah crimson dynamo was just that one uh that one quip Making but yeah, fun yeah. Of him, yeah i was very i was very happy with the movie yeah so <laughs> really well, enjoyed it what we did is we had the problem of our two youngest we wait until they're five years old to give them a movie no, theater experience yeah. mm. and so they haven't we haven't done that for them yet star wars will be next no five star wars five anyway star wars. so we decided to do premiere access because I didn't want to have to go find a babysitter for the younger two and the older two really wanted to see it. So I'm really glad we did the premiere access. Uh, I went sure. to movie theater. It was a close call. I almost did Thank the premiere you. access, but then I was like, nope, I got time Saturday night. 
called up some friends and we went together and went and saw it. So we saw it in the nice. theater. It was fun. And it was like, I mean, it wasn't like super full in the theater, but there was a good enough crowd that it was enjoyable, you know? So it was nice going back to the, going, watching it in the movie theater. Very cool. I but, love yeah. that she was watching James Bond. <laughs> she was watching yeah, Dr. No. Get her accent. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, pretty funny. That was great. Oh, wait, that is a spoiler territory area. Are we done? Any, any? Let's just go there. All right, we're going into spoilers now. Okay. Yeah, she, she watched James Bond. <laughs> there we go. I think that's the most important part of the film for Austin right there. No. no. <laughs> um, so here's a question for you, Austin. What do you think? How do you think this, if at all, affects our understanding of the MCU? Um, do you think it does it does it mean anything? I mean, it's a great story. Well, it's great to watch, and it helps our understanding of her. But as far as from the MCU, does it have any? Well, impact? It, it, the the end credit scene has has the biggest impact on the MCU in that they're obviously setting up the sister to be a part of the you know uh, Plan B Avengers. But those aren't the Plan B Avengers. It's a villainous organization. Okay, whatever. Yeah, I mean what. Targeting Hawkeye. This is your target. He killed your sister. That's what awesome. is it? Is it targeting as far as targeting to kill, or is it targeting to recruit? No, or targeting it... to kill. Hawkeye. I got the impression it was targeting to kill. That's what I got. Yeah, but you never know, right? And, you know? and it, then it knowing could, she was it, recruiting fake it, Captain America, it could it could be targeting to make a cake together. <laughs> I mean, yes, they go could make be doing a cake that. with the man who killed your sister, your beloved sister. Yeah, yeah, that's he, exactly what they're trying to do there. But he didn't kill her. That's the whole thing. Well, he, that, and that's the most no, important no. part is she manipulated. No, maybe he did kill her because he let go, right? He could have held on. He let go. So maybe from a technicality, Hawkeye did kill her. Okay, real quick question as an aside, just to establish your viewpoint. Who's your favorite uh, force wielding person in in the uh, Star Wars universe? <laughs> Emperor Palpatine. Okay. okay, there we go. Yeah, so we can now move on. <laughs> we you know the answer to this. A story is only as good as the villain that the hero has to overcome. Anyways, um, and that's why having Elaine Bennis as a villain is hilarious. Bennis. Yeah, I'll never see her as anything except for Elaine from Seinfeld. <laughs> So, yeah. It's now pretty- you have to figure out how Elaine became powerful in this villainous organization. <laughs> I think she's good in this. Oh, I she really is. She goes to the kitchen. That's how. <laughs> yeah, she's gotten a lot better. Uh, and it, she, she's doing great with whatever whatever they're doing to set up phase four of the MCU. Yeah. It's looking so. great. It's interesting that, you know, there was there were a lot of theories that, you know, maybe the the uh you know they were far out theories and and but that maybe the black widow that died wasn't really the black widow yeah. right maybe it wasn't her and all this i'm glad that they didn't do that i'm glad that i mean it ends you're looking at her grave and her sister's there so it's kind of handing off the torch but so i'm really glad they didn't do that um but uh, yeah I, I just think it's a great <laughs> setup for moving forward So what I love about what they're doing is they're doing a very Marvel thing, which is manipulating good people through villainous organizations to do things that they think are right and just, but are bad. 
and how we then have a lot of anti-heroes spring up because of that. So I'm really excited to see how they do this. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good for and sure. I- I feel like, because I, like, if I remember from Avengers, it seems like, in a way, Barton recruited Black Widow, Natasha. And so I wonder if that's going to kind of, like, be a little repeat with um, her sister. Like, her sister will go after him. You know, there'll be a lot of conflict where he's trying to avoid her kind of thing. And then he realizes, oh, this is, like, she knows Natasha. And then he tries to, like, kind of bring her over instead. Um, Especially now that the... We're in spoiler territory. Yeah. Like now that the red room's gone, you know. Yeah, I like the red room. I like that whole flying base. I like the the villain. It was very Bond villain esque, especially yes. when he wouldn't shut up and he and he kept getting mad. He's like, "No, let me finish my monologue. Let's let me finish it. All right, now we can deal with all this other." Can things. I say it? I really like that scene when she just started like railing into him. She's like, "Oh, you're just a nobody," kind of thing, and he's freaking out and be like, you know, she, she's she's <laughs> getting him to punch her so that she he could break her nose. But I just like I just love that how she was just like just digging into him, and it was like all of a sudden, you know, he's like this criminal mastermind in control of all these women and stuff and like he's like i'm untouchable and without like with just using words she just like rattles him and i just i just really liked that scene like i was like yeah go girl go girl like that that was was the power of words that like like especially because she doesn't really like necessarily have that skill she's always been like kind of a muscle and like slew so yeah but she has and they've actually alluded to it in other things especially when she got the call from agent colson and she's all like are you serious he was giving me his whole master plan right now and then she takes everybody out so they they have alluded that this is her specialty is getting villains to give up their evil master plans and then she takes them out yeah, what what was that? Was that in the um, right? I forgot about no, that. that. Was in Avengers. That was in Avengers. Yeah, yeah. when she's uh, tied to the chair. Yeah, and, and how she got a call from the from Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah, he's gonna pull out the big guns on me. I'll be right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, the what you what you think of her her quote unquote family? That family dynamic. It was kind of interesting. And 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 when the sister says, "Hey, look, the best part of my life was fake." I gotta admit, like that kind of that kind of made me feel sad. I was like, oh. Well, I I think that Yelena is supposed to be more of the emotional one who felt more because she had this family for three years that was ripped out from under her. And she probably didn't remember it was fake until after they pulled her out. And she probably that was her first memories were made in this family. Yeah. And then when what she said as much at that table. She yeah. was like, you know, you are my sister. You are my mom. You are my father. You know? Yeah. Well, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with all the widows. Yeah. Well, that will be interesting. They're going to team up with the, uh, the Wakanda uh, lady warriors yeah, yeah. and they're going to go That's do a good place to put well, them. Yeah. The, the problem is, is you have all these highly specialized spies that, can just beat down on people all over the world and who's going to collect them up. You know, you mentioning um, 
the warriors from Wakanda. It was interesting when they showed the map where all the all the widows were. Wakanda was a was a spot there were none. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, well, there were zero that. in Wakanda. It was like this. Well, it's like uh, looking at a light pollution map and you see Big Bend and it's this one spot that's really dark. You know, it was the same <laughs> way with Wakanda. It was like all these widows were everywhere, but there were none in Wakanda. Yeah. Wakanda forever. Well, <laughs> Where is Wakanda in Africa? Uh, I mean, um, watch the map and it'll show. Yeah, yeah, you can see. <laughs> it. Watch it well, and I didn't pick up on that either. And I watched some uh, Easter egg videos um, online, and uh, they pointed that out. And I was like, oh wow! And I actually had to f- pause it and look at the video. And yeah, so they, they, they were right. We look at how. Um, Elaine approached Elena. <laughs> it's just Elaine now. That's, Val. that's her. Val, Elaine, whatever. Um, <laughs> so the reason why I brought that up is because I was thinking about how Val approached Elena and how she's probably picking up all these widows. There is a list of names that she probably got the list from Elena. And all of these women's, women were being cared for by the Red Room, their food, employment, Everything was being taken care of by the Red Room. And this is why they're not a strong force is because you have to have those supplies to have a force to do anything. Yeah. You know, when at, at the end, when they were like, hey, you're free, right? My my thought, what I'm thinking is, okay, well, now what? What are they going to do? Yeah. They have no home. They have no jobs. They have nowhere yeah, to it's go like to. They, they have a very specialized skill set that isn't really going to keep them off the radar for long like if they don't if they don't act smart but yeah i, I can just imagine like, them you know the red room pro- yeah you bring a good point amanda because the red room provided everything yeah them. well just imagine them at mcdonald's and their manager is scolding them and they get mad at their manager and then they're out of a job <laughs> <laughs> i i i do want to bring something up about um val coming to yelena in that end credit scene, you know, the last, the, the, the shot right before her standing there is a wide shot with no one around. And then she's there. And it really makes you wonder, you know, Yelena's going to know if somebody's just like standing out in the open or even probably hidden a little bit. Then they have the wide shot where no one is around Yelena and then Val is standing there. And it almost makes you wonder if there, if she, how she got there. Is it, is it some sort of invisibility she has? Is it a TVA portal? She's coming through something maybe, like that. Maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's an order 66 chip implanted in her brain. Where she <laughs> sees these things. Mutant powers. But you know, oh. you, you don't know, but it, it just struck me as a little weird that, that, cause I even rewinded it. Looked, I was like, there's a wide shot right there, and then she's there. And you know? that is and done just, on purpose. That is yeah, very yeah. specifically done on purpose. That's a good insight. I wonder. Yeah, mm. No, Brady, like, it's funny you bring that up because I remember when I was watching it, that bothered me. But I couldn't, like, you put, I, I didn't understand why at the moment until you explained that. I was like, oh, yeah, like, she, yeah, Elena's a trained assassin. She would hear someone coming up on her. She would, the assassin senses would be tingling, you know? So yeah, it's kind of weird that Val would just appear out of nowhere, especially like suddenly blow her nose like that. It's just yeah. like that was very weird. It, we had the closed captions on, and it did say footsteps, 
like just a moment. Oh, it did? Like footsteps crunching or something it said footsteps right before crunching. she was standing there. Yeah. Interesting. But it was just really brief, footsteps crunching, and then she was there. But it's not like she was walking up. It was like step, step, she's there. Hmm. And it, it just, yeah, it just struck me as a little weird. Did you guys have any problems with the movie or anything? Mm. Anything you didn't like about it? Yeah, I'm not. I do, but I'm not ready to go there. All right. <laughs> because I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Let's go back to Red Guardian. Red Guardian was so freaking cool. Yeah. I loved his character. I would be all for a couple Red Guardian movies, which uh, which the, apparently the actor is now trying to uh, you know convince Marvel of doing. Like, let's make some Red Guardian films if done by James Gunn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what I loved about Red Guardian was the grandiosity. Yeah. I honestly don't feel that he would make a great, like, solo film. No, no, no. It'd be great. But it would be... I would love to see him in some other no, stuff no, 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 no. as a side it, character. It, it would be <laughs> a uh, overconfident, underskilled, uh, Deadpool-esque type of movie. <laughs> That's what it would be. <laughs> I would love to see him go toe to toe with the new, with Captain oh. America. I think oh, that would be great. I like that. I, I love his stories that. of that. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be a very long fight, I don't think. I mean, Captain America would wipe well, the floor. Still want it. <laughs> I, I want to see the eighty-year-old Captain America wipe the floor with the Red Guardian. <laughs> yeah, how old was he when he got the serum? That was my question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who knows. Yeah, uh, <laughs> David Harbour, I think is the, the actor's yeah. name. Yeah, yeah just, he did. He did so. He was so good. I, I loved everything about him. You know, I was. Uh, I'm pretty sure, like, this is his first, like, really super huge movie role. He's, well, he did Hellboy. He was Hellboy. Oh, that's right. Well, you're right. He did do that, but that didn't play out very well. Right. That film, but. Um, but I was very leery in kind of him transitioning from Netflix to to the big screen, just because you know I've only seen him on the small screen. I only kind of you know have grown comfortable with him as being a uh, uh, hop- hopper, uh, and now he's Red Guardian. But he he did it fantastically. Uh, everything in the prison was hilarious. Uh, I love that the other guy was calling him out and be like, uh, yeah, Captain America was frozen in ice, dude. Quit, quit, quit making up these lies, which you, you later do find out that, yes, he was lying because after he did his undercover stuff, he went straight to prison, which I don't really understand why they would do that. Maybe they, maybe Marvel just needs to say, okay, where was he during all this time? Well, let's just put him in prison. Now we don't have to deal with it. I don't know. Yeah. The avalanche was pretty sick. Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of wonder, see, it that that whole fight thing, you know, and that triggered the avalanche, right? But I I was thinking when I first saw it coming down, I was like, I wonder if they put that there because they had the Red Guardian in prison. And mm-hmm. that was like that their fate that that's their that's their dead man's pin, you know? Yeah. So um yeah. bring bring the house down on him. But I don't think that was the case, but so what that I was loved my first thought. What I loved about the avalanche is that was the first time you hear you uh, Elena say that would be a good way to die. Yes, yeah, she was like a good way, to, way die. to die. <laughs> and it was it what I loved is it showed her mental state before she reunited with her sister and how she was looking for a way to die. And just how 
she had been so rattled and the everything had been stripped from her in her life. And I mean, how can you go the best moments of your life growing up in Ohio and all of a sudden you're now trapped and your life is a nightmare for the rest of your life up until that point. And so I loved it showed her mental state and how in a lot of ways she was recovering from a lot of that being reunited with her family. Yeah, she had she had great character depth in this movie. Yeah, she really did. Yeah, I I, I, I'm not going to say that she carried it, but because I mean, everyone did such a great job. But her her storyline, her performance, her portrayal, the whole thing really enriched the movie as a whole. Yes, it did. I completely agree with that. And I want to go back to what you had asked Austin about the whole family thing. I really liked it how, like, even though they were, like, a fake family, like, it was, like, those three years was enough to, like, bring them together all the same, you know? That Mm -hmm. they were, like, yeah, we were put together for, like, as a secret Russian spy family, but, like, they, you know, it was one of those things, like, they realized when they were reunited that, like, they genuinely learned to care for each other, and they did view each other as a family, and, like, the closest to a family that any of them ever had. Yeah. And I just really like that, how they were like, they acknowledged, they're like, yeah, no, we are a family. Like we, that became real. Like this is real. We do care about each other. They managed to really, um, the filmmakers and, and the story and the, and, and the writers managed to really elicit, a, an, an empathy for some mm-hmm. of these characters in this movie, yes. especially, Alexi the pig. <laughs> I felt that was so fun. much oh, empathy wow. for that pig. I was getting worried about that little pig. Uh, <laughs> yeah, mom. <laughs> come on. <laughs> let the kid, let the, let the pig breathe. All right. So now I'm going to get on Austin's case. <laughs> Wait. Okay, fine. Okay. So, all right. All right. I'm going to start this right. out. Right, hurry, before hurry Austin up. Make interrupts. it quick. Make okay. it quick. Make it quick. So hurry I was up. trying hurry to up. tell Austin about how hurry up. I and a bunch of my friends had been talking about since Avengers that Black Widow needed her own film. No, that's and not what you said. Okay. <laughs> there has been a movement since Avengers no, that, that Black Widow that, should have her own uh, film. And it's, that's not what you said okay. earlier. So Austin that's wants to do earlier. semantics no. about somehow, so that way he can defend himself no. by saying no one wanted no. a Black Widow film. I will say until about like a year or two ago. No. What you said was everybody when 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 the first Avengers came out, everybody was talking about the need of a Black Widow movie. And what I was saying is what was actually happening was when the first Avengers movie came out, everybody was talking about the first Avengers movie. They weren't okay, talking about Black so Widow. Let me put it this way. That's Austin what I said. interpreted <laughs> what I said to mean that everybody no. was talking about it because that's how he wants to interpret it because All he right. wasn't listening to me. Okay, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> but what I was going to say is I think this would have had a better impact. Like a lot of it, if Black Widow had gotten her own film, earlier on because she deserved her movie well, earlier well, now you get to watch this in order but you have to save the end credit scene for like avengers endgame or something now so <laughs> yeah that's a really that's a uh 
that's a really good point. That that post credit scene does does throw a wrench in the cogs. But I mean, does it really? I mean, not really. I mean, you watch that and you'd be like, whoa, because so, because you'd be watching this right after Captain America: Civil War. Yeah. Um. Well, the the post credit scene doesn't really spoil it because it doesn't say how anything happened it's just putting a target on hawkeye's back and you're like what why is there a target on hawkeye's back showing that like natasha's dead like if you watched it when it was supposed to come out chronologically you know this is like before infinity wars before endgame and all that and it's like wait what happened to natasha why she you know but it doesn't necessarily spoil it because now you want to know yeah all right Brady, earlier asked if there was anything that we didn't like. Okay, so I've got a small little realization I made. I have one thing, but go I've ahead. I've got one thing, too, so okay. go ahead. I, okay, I, got, I, made, I, I made a realization. It's not just uh, Black Widow. It's, it's Marvel in general. I've started to notice that the fight scenes are almost pointless in a lot of these <laughs> Marvel films. It's like... How many times are we going to watch, you know, peon after peon fight one of our heroes? And they and they they present l- literally no challenge at all. And, and that's and, why they can pose and, while doing the fight. Yes, but but our, but our heroes, our heroes are not in danger. And so I've I've just found that when like these little like peon fight scenes start happening, I actually start tuning out of the movie, and because I. I know that they pose literally no threat. Our heroes are not in any danger. And all I'm saying to myself at that point is like, okay, I just want to move on to the next plot point. Cause I'm actually interested in that. These peon fight scenes, like I, like I'm just, I'm just finding myself not caring about them anymore. Um, and, and I was thinking about like, you know, some other action films like bond, for example, they, they, they brought bond into this. So I'm going to talk bond. Like, James Bond being a spy, Black Widow being a spy, like when James Bond is in danger, like, um, like, or in a fight scene, like it, it feels more threatening to him because he gets wounded. He gets hurt. Like Black Widow, I mean, let's be honest. The only way she got hurt was hurting herself. She had to hurt herself. Yeah, like, like, like she, like that one scene where she basically falls off a building and hits her ribs on the 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 dumpster and she's completely fine no no i mean she's not even like holding her side it's like come on marvel we we got it we we have to see a little bit more realism because especially because black widow doesn't have superpowers yeah because the 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 action scenes are starting to get a little stale because nobody ever gets hurt so so anyways that that's my one little rant. Outside of that, I really did like the movie, but but I think Marvel needs to um bring back a little bit of realism so that way our characters can feel in, like they're in danger again. I specifically remember the scene you're talking about when she fell and hit her side and thinking yeah, that would have killed someone. Yeah, but she, she, she gets been, up and runs off. She would, pro- in all reality, she probably would have been like decapitated from the waist up in the way that she fell. So, anyways, I think that's a good observation. You know, those fight scenes, there the threat level is pretty much zero. You know, they yeah. they want to build it up, they want to do their fight choreography, and that's all good, and it looks good, and it's 
you know, action and hero kind of stuff. But yeah, there's never a threat there. Yeah. And, and that's the real important part of recognizing that Black Widow is supposed to be a normal human with no superpowers whatsoever. And they're treating her <laughs> like she has superpowers. And that takes away from her identity and who she is. Yeah, I, I would have been all for like a real super female James Bond spy thriller. Black Widow would have been awesome in that way, but it wasn't that to be. All right, anyways, I want to hear what you guys have to say. Jekka? Um, Okay, so uh, my biggest complaint like kind of really pales compared to that. <laughs> okay. Um, but I was upset that there was no major fight scene or car chase involving the chain bridge in Budapest. Because uh, my my grandpa's from Budapest, so I've been there a couple times and love the city. I've explored all over it. So I was excited that this movie, like, in all honesty, I was expecting more of it to take place in Budapest. Not like just like a little scene. <laughs> kind of thing. But even then I was kind of like, yeah, it probably would be a scene. But then I was like, okay, chain bridge, chain bridge. Because chain bridge is like a huge landmark in Budapest. Um, it's like the bridge in Budapest. And yeah, so I was kind of bummed that there was no major fight scene involving the chain bridge. <laughs> they might not have gotten permission to use road. it. Yeah, I think it was oh, kind yeah. of like, the only, like, I mean, from what I saw, it was like, they just got like major shots of like the si surrounding city. And then they were kind of like hiding in like, what to me was like, obviously a studio set kind of thing. I was like, that's like really back tucked away either back tucked away in budapest or it's like they totally needed to make a set for that kind of thing so so that was my one complaint i was like come on if you're going to take place in budapest you got to do something with the chain bridge like, it's iconic see my problem it was one of those little nerdy nitpicky things <laughs> like there's the antidote and all that that was kind of sketchy whatever right uh, and don't get me wrong yeah. i'm glad i paid 30 bucks for all of us to watch this movie together it was worth it yeah well Agreed. worth it. But one of the silliest things I heard a character say in that whole movie was, that's how he stayed above the radar. You don't stay above the radar. <laughs> you stay below the radar. <laughs> if you're in the sky, you are definition on the radar. The oh, red room. Boy. I'm like, come on. That's how you stay above the radar. <sighs> <laughs> that, that just, that, I, I thought about that way more than I should have. <laughs> so, I, I, I'm going to have my little complaint here is that they have these amazing assassin women yeah. that they're training and have complete control over. And then they have these random male guards all I over the place. I'm like, if you have all these amazing assassin women, why are they not guarding the Red Room? Right? <laughs> They've right? got to have soldiers standing outside doors, right? Uh, Isn't that yeah, the way it works? Yeah, yeah. I was in Boston when I saw that. So my complaint actually comes from thinking about, uh, I was just thinking about how they didn't really have that many soldiers standing outside doors. They should have had a bunch of Black Widows standing outside the doors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Besides that, it was a good movie. Yeah. Good it. movie. Yes. Definitely recommend yeah, it. Yeah, good movie. It was good. Movie. All right. Any, any last comments on Black Widow? Anything? Once, if you once. haven't seen it, do. Yeah, it is good. All right, folks. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of Super Nerd Podcast. 
hit that podcast subscribe button and leave us a review wherever you're listening to us. Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, Pocket Cast, or wherever else you find us. Next week, we're going to be talking the season finale of Loki. That's right, so make sure to leave us a voicemail with your thoughts at anchor.fm slash supernerdpodcast, and you just might be featured on the upcoming show. You can also email us your thoughts to supernerdpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Search Supernerd Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a share. And as I was in the middle of all of this, hey, reach out to us. We actually had a fan reach out to us and tell us their thoughts on Black Widow, and I totally forgot about it. Oh, shit. I know. I'm, I'm oh, sorry. So, so next week, we'll, be, we'll make sure to, to share those thoughts first thing. But, uh, sorry. My bad. Anyways. Next week, talking Loki, so so make sure to hit us up with your thoughts on the series finale. But in the meantime, stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun. Catch you later. Bye.
Painted black, colors changing with the seasons 